right, all right, all right. Hello, 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 everyone. This is Troublesome Turfs, and we're coming to you live. Today is Monday, the 15th of November, 2021. And since the pandemic is still ongoing, we're still uh, all in our respective locations, but um, we still joined together, everyone, uh, on this platform tonight um, to bring you a podcastable. That's the idea. So the idea is to celebrate all the wonderful shows that we have out there that deal with interpreting, translation, localization and all the other Asians um, <laughs> that are out there. That sounded weird. Sorry about that. <laughs> Let me hand it off straight to the first co-host for tonight, Sarah Hickey. Sarah, how are you? Hey, um, yeah, I'm actually uh, super sick, but I was saying in the intro to the guests as well that I had FOMO, and so I decided to be here anyway. I couldn't miss this because when you ever get all these um, language podcast celebrities in one room, you know, so I just had to be here. So yeah, happy to see everyone. I'm really, really impressed <laughs> that everyone showed up. So um, yeah, um, I guess, sorry, I'm totally messing up the intro, but handing over to Alexander Gansmeier. Hey, everybody. It's great to be back uh, on a live show. We haven't done one in, a, in quite a while. And um, just in case you're wondering from a couple of episodes back, this is this is the Avengers Endgame of, of podcasts that we promised you. <laughs> this is basically yeah. all the biggest players coming together to, do, to uh, put on something special. So this is super exciting. Thank you, everybody, for being here. It's probably going to break the internet or something. We'll, <laughs> I mean, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Also, it's the first time we're doing a, a live stream from uh, this platform right now. So fingers crossed, everyone, that um, everything works fine. Um, to get us started, we have prepared a, uh, well, actually, we have several uh, messages, several voice memos from those uh, podcasters who weren't able to join us tonight. And we will be starting with a message from uh, Lauren and Gretchen from the Lingthusiasm podcast. So let me just get that ready for you all. And let's listen to them. Here we go. Hi, I'm Gretchen McCulloch. And I'm Lauren Gorn. And we are the co-hosts of Lingthusiasm, a podcast that is enthusiastic about linguistics. It's not just translation between languages that can be an interesting linguistic challenge. Sometimes translating between varieties of English can also show some quirky differences. I'm an Australian and Gretchen, you are a Canadian. And we have had to navigate some of the differences between our varieties of English over the years. And thought we'd play one of our favorite games, which is Guess what this regional English word means. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. My Australian word for you is the word duna. Duna. Okay. This sounds maybe like a dessert. It sounds very smooth and fluffy. Hmm. You've got the fluffy bit, right? Hmm. <laughs> it is a, um, I think the British word is duvet. Oh, yeah. We have duvets in Canada as well. So a, a big kind of quilted possibly downy or at least very fluffy, as you intuited, uh, blanket for sleeping. <laughs> All right. And my Canadian word for you to guess is keener. Ah, I am a non-rhotic Australian accented person. So Duna and keener sound more similar for me than they do for you. <laughs> <laughs> they totally do. Any guesses what this means? Um, does it have anything to do with the word keen? It does. Someone who is more keen than other people? (laughs) 
That is true. Um, it often shows up specifically in more of an academic context. So a student who's coming to office hours or something, you'd be like, oh, that's so-and-so. They're one of my keeners. And I think one of the missing pieces in the Canadian English context for why keener is a term is that other varieties of English have words like teacher's pet or brown noser or something like that that mm -hmm. can refer to a you know academically interested student. But a keener isn't necessarily a pejorative. Like teachers and professors will say this of their students of like, oh, yeah, you know, that's one of my keeners. They're enthusiastic about something. And you can sort of apply it in another context as well. If you're showing up early for your, you know, exercise class or something, you might be a keener in that context as well. That's lovely. I feel like we need more positive terms for enthusiastic engagement. I think so, too. And I also think that we could definitely have a children's cartoon with the characters Duna and Kina. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that would be so cute. Um, we did a whole episode on being speakers of varieties of English other than British and American English on the show. And we had a lot of fun with similar regionalisms and navigating life as people who speak different varieties of English. And of course, we do get enthusiastic about other linguistics topics on Lingthusiasm as well. If you just want a chance to listen to a Canadian and Australian and practice what sort of subtle regional varieties you might want to get exposed to. And I'm sure there are lots of localisms you have in your own varieties of English that you can test each other on as well. All the best to the Troublesome Terps for the rest of the live show. And we're sorry we can't be there from our other corners of the world. That was awesome. pretty cool. That was lovely. Yeah, that was really <laughs> lovely. You. So a uh, huge thanks to uh, Lauren and Gretchen. And thanks for joining us uh, in the form of this lovely voice memo. Uh, and with that, um, well, actually, uh, was I the only one who was thinking about whether the word brown noser was actually not safe for work? I'm not I'm not sure. Anyway, with that, we'll, we'll be moving on straight to our first panel. So we'd like Just to welcome... about where it comes from. So, okay. Don't good. think about where it comes from. <laughs> All right. Uh, the the voice you heard there is uh, Michael Stevens' voice. He'll he'll be joining us for the first panel. Hello, Michael Stevens, and also joining us for the first panel are Froyan Fass from Slater and Tucker Johnson from Nimsy. And Tucker told me you've never met Florian before. So this is the first time you're actually uh, uh, meeting virtually, I guess. Florian, I don't think that so. is there's a premiere. It's the first time. Okay, good. Well, this is well, what well, wow. right? I would hate if this was like live streamed of me, Guys, like, from like, yeah, guys, we've met six times. I think you have a lot to talk about. I, I, you know, from the conversations I've had with you both, I'm glad I can be a part of this to sort of mediate. You've always been a matchmaker, <laughs> Mediate. Okay, that's awesome. This should be interesting. Um, Exactly. Um, so should we just hand it over to you, Michael? No, I'll, I'll, I'll at least say what the, what the whole idea was. And the funny thing is, or the interesting thing is, we had two of you on before. So Florian, we had on to, to discuss sort of business uh, intelligence and, and researching the language industry. Um, so you can go back to that episode and listen to that if you have missed it. And we've had Michael on before as well, but um, in the context of a different podcast. So maybe we'll start with you, Michael. Um, tell us a little bit about your I don't know, latest, uh, recent, current podcast project, the global podcast. Yeah, latest and greatest. So, exactly. uh, yeah, it was a distinct pivot for us. We, the first podcast that I started was corporately sponsored. Um, it had a team of people who supported the wild work that, uh, me and my co-host Renato Beninato did. And, um, it was thoroughly reviewed and scrubbed and checked to make sure that all things were uh, appropriate for corporate communication. Um, the second one we launched when I left that company, and uh, it's just our work. 
Um, it's, it's two people. I liken it to the type of conversations you would have going to a localization conference. And after you're in the bar pretty late at night and you're talking to experts the way they really talk about the work they do. Uh, this was really what we wanted to push because I find that um, they're, they're very, not just capable, but uh, people who are doing remarkable work and many times at uh, a podium or even around people they don't trust, they may not come as clean with how remarkable the work they're doing is. And so to be able to get to that level just to, for me, mostly satisfy my curiosity um, to hear what are really the greatest and latest things going on in our industry that may not get to be talked about publicly. That's great. And, and a great reason to to do a podcast, I think, is to satisfy one's own curiosity. For sure. That I think that's probably you never run out of topics, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. That's probably also the, the reason for you, Tucker. Um, I, I just said before we started, half jokingly, that you're live 24-7 these days. Yeah. Um, so uh, what what were the sort of last conversations that, that you uh, that you had on IMSI Live? What was what was the really cool stuff you did recently? We have all sorts of different conversations on NIMSI Live, and that's one of the reasons I, I kind of wanted to start it. Actually, you know what? I never really wanted to start it. I'm really an unwilling podcast host in, in many respects. But one of the I things that I've grown to love about it is just giving a platform to all sorts of different things. So just recently, we had uh, John Fenley, the CEO of Lionbridge, coming on and talking about all the cool stuff they're doing over there. Um, we're not corporate sponsored, so I don't have to suck up to anybody, but neither do we have any like gotcha moments on there um salvo right. from airbnb came on to announce the big um big big stuff that's going on over at airbnb in regards to um machine learning and machine translation and the scale that they're rolling it out there and just on friday i'm down here in um california right now visiting my folks visiting uh, the family dialing in from my brother's house and um, just before I left, just before I got on a plane, I was with a bunch of folks over at the Middlebury Institute of International Studies playing a card cool. game live. Yeah. Um, they've come up with oh, this cool right. card yeah. game to teach about vendor management. So all sorts of different stuff. How cool is that? Yeah, that sounds super cool. geeky. <laughs> <laughs> Has any of you seen that card game? I've, I missed the broadcast, so I'll have to rewatch that. That sounds like for a fruit vendor. It, it, it's, fruit, yeah, the fruit vendor it's thing. That's a cool thing. I, I, I recommend cool. it for companies that want to like um, train their vendor managers and have interesting conversations. So Florian, you, awesome. you clearly have seen it. And, and who you just heard again was Florian Fest from Slaterpod. So Florian, you've seen this as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I, think we, um, I think we put in our newsletter and somebody uh, super enthusiastically wrote back that they love it and they started using it with their... Um, well, with the company, but also some people they're training. So I didn't play myself, but you know, we don't have vendor managers, so it's a, it, it's quite cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't all be doing the same stuff. So that's, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Slaterpod, of course, tell, tell uh, people a little bit about what you've been up to, uh, over at Slaterpod. And you're, I think you're busy with, um, Slatercon remote as well, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in front of the bonsai, that's my life now. So uh, <laughs> yeah. you guys are responsible for for me starting Slaterpot. I listened to uh, Troublesome Terps and I'm like, oh man, it's like so regular and it's so good and I really need to get this started. So and I committed to a weekly schedule, which, uh, you know, in hindsight turned out to it's be insane. Uh, kind of ambitious, lot. but 
uh, we well so far we've we've managed uh, so uh, and then after 40 50 episodes we started bringing on guests because it got a little kind of too mm. uh, I don't know self like how, how often how many times can you just uh, chat with each other so I'm, I'm doing this with uh, Esther Bond our research director in London right so um, uh, and uh, so we still do our kind of industry chit chat uh, before like you know 15 20 minutes and then we bring on a guest and um, yeah we've also had you know great guests it's such a fascinating industry so you, you never run out of interesting guests so it's uh you know for example we recently a good example is we had uh, kenneth hefield from the university of edinburgh and we we invited him because we got into a twitter fight <laughs> uh, a couple like of hands yeah, down no, well it was, it, I, he 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 called us out for an article and basically said we got everything wrong and then i'm like no 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 we didn't get everything wrong and then uh, yeah and so wow. it was back and forth i'm like hey why don't you c come to the podcast and, and tell us what we got wrong and he accepted the challenge and you know a couple of weeks later he was on the pod so uh that's, that, that's cool. why i love doing this yeah that's how things get done these days yeah it's awesome yeah. <laughs> so uh michael we're approaching the the end of the year almost slowly quickly i don't know uh and the troublesome terms are definitely going to be doing a a, a year in review episode again but but f from your point of view um what were sort of the big highlights the big um developments uh i guess uh in 2021 anything yeah. that stood out to you i i would say two things and one we're probably going to talk about is uh whether we're going to cover cover it from the perspective of recovery or great resignation or whatever you want to define this last year as um, that will be something that will be explored pretty thoroughly. Um, one of the things that I, I, I appreciate about what you guys are doing and our industry as a whole is doing is the ability to really be known. And the, this movement that we're having is giving a lot of people platforms and voices for the work they're doing. Um, and in a world where deep fakes become more and more relevant, where there's a lot of information, we, there was a lot of time for people to sort of sit around during 2020 and think about what would resonate with people and whether they can actually do it or not is sort of secondary. Um, Florian, I saw that, you, that there was the interview and it was about the fake LinkedIn profiles, right? That are out there in, in interpretation and in that piece. And there's always been in recruiting. Um, I think that that's going to become more and more valid as sort of community uh, or more and more relevant is community validation and making sure that some of the things that companies are committing to and being able to do are actually proven in the work that they do. And so uh, that's something that is, is my curiosity right now, because uh, if you look at a lot of the themes, especially for localization companies, they're all kind of the same. They're all saying kind of the same things. And then it's like, well, who is actually doing this work? I see Tucker was moving. So uh, disagree, agree. <laughs> What's your no, Tucker, I mean, or you get called. It, it looked like you were getting ready to Michael. say no. Preach it. No. <laughs> okay. I, um, no, I don't disagree. I, I think like to me, the watchword moving forward is authenticity. You know, when I, when I was shaking my head, when Michael was um, talking about deep fakes and all of that stuff. And 
people are expecting a different engagement from the brands that they consume and you know the services that they offer these days and that's reflected in everything it's reflected in how they relate to people and um this overproduced um highly like five years ago video marketing was all in um overproduced stuff and but nowadays people want to see authenticity people want to see brand leaders be humans um to, to a certain extent and i think podcasting is a great format for that and i like to do the the live i've just doubled down on on the live streaming and it, i like i said i was an unwilling entry into this field but um started doing it and people people were digging it and i think a big part of it is because you can't fake it when, when you're live on air you can't go back and fix your voice and photoshop your pimples out and and all of that stuff is like what you see is what you get and i think there's a strong appetite for that and my my watch my my mantra as i go into 2022 is, is still the same it's to kill the webinar um i hate webinars webinars <laughs> are not audience focused i'm cheering you marketing on. manager preach focused. tucker <laughs> yeah no i mean how many oh god every time i see a webinar and i'm like i'm gonna go sign up for this and within 15 seconds i'm so frustrated that i'm like screw this they're not getting my business um People want to just be able to log in, see something. Information wants to be free, right? No one wants to give their contact information to watch an over-rehearsed slideshow presentation, PowerPoint presentation. There needs to be some entertainment value. There needs to be some intimacy. There needs to be some audience engagement, not just a Q&A session at the end, but throughout, right? And I am hopefully trying to I'm encouraging everybody I can to get into live streaming because why would people go to a webinar when they can just log into LinkedIn and see who's streaming today? It's kind of, yeah, that's a good, I, good point. I took that in a different direction, but hey, <laughs> you, you just run with podcasters in a room together and you expect yeah. to have <sighs> on a live show. Even I know. Yeah, I'm not sure about the, the over-rehearsed uh, webinars, but okay, that's a different discussion. Maybe the, Michael, the, yeah. the, the commitment in that is, is, is tough too, because if it's, if you're looking at like a half hour or an hour of my time, like I need the 15 minute, 15 second, 30 second hook that makes me go, okay, this might get there. Mm. Um, or, or some yep. sound bites. So, I, I mean, the level, like, stylistically, we we all vary even on this call and, like, how overproduced or underproduced shows sure. are. It, yeah. But it's the it's the content that's being put out. It's the it's the story that's being told. It's the data that's being expressed to our people that that we really need to focus on because the 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 slick stuff and the the time are are just a waste. A waste. Um, so, and Florian, I'm kind of setting you up, man. Bring the data. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah <content laughs> no data for that. Go, go to, uh, <laughs> no. there's others that are doing the, the podcast data, right? No, I, what I like about podcasting is, I mean, the video to us is, was and still is a little bit of kind of an afterthought, uh, despite the bonsai. Uh, and so <laughs> we, I like this. I mean, I'm, I'm a kind of a podcast podcast edit myself like i i use it for i mean when i go running when i you know do other stuff like like literally every almost every second of my life that's in non-dialogue i basically have the airpods in so mm -hmm. i'm in terms of the overproduction i totally hear you what i do like is good audio right mm -hmm. that needs to get sorted out you need mm -hmm. to get a good mic and i'm still i Amen. think i'm like yeah. 90 percent there but i want to get 100 percent there but it's almost i don't know I, I need the better setting and like the walls and you know like uh, 
some of that. So um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. Industry, uh, to me, this year was super cool in terms of all that frontier language tech. I mean, Michael mentioned the deep fake stuff before. And um, yeah, I'm glad you uh, bring that up. Had yeah. A, 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 yeah, we had a company on, on the podcast called Synthesia and they're basically, they, they don't do deep fakes, but they allow you to do like avatars that speak different languages. I mean, that just continues to blow my mind. Yeah. And I use it in every single industry presentation I give. And I think I think people who listen to a couple of them are starting to get bored of it, but it's just, it's such a, so, so groundbreaking. I love it. Yeah, I saw a demo of that as well this year on, unfortunately on a webinar, but um, that was truly mind blowing. Like, yeah, that yeah. was actually pretty impressive. You could do it in like five minutes. I could do one now and <laughs> yeah. show you, right? <laughs> so, yeah. And I can confirm yeah. could, Florian it has could done it before join for the presentations. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> You've actually used it before, Florian. Exactly. I, yeah, I got a subscription. It's like $50 a month or $40 a month. That is too cool. Super cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty mind blowing what you can do with uh, with that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, what about what about SlaterCon that has moved um, online? I guess uh, quite a while ago already. But how did that change the game for you? Uh, it's convenient. It's so convenient. <laughs> <laughs> Travel I, and everything. I'm getting right? yeah. years of life back. Mm. Yeah, no, I love yeah. it. Uh, look, it's okay. I've traveled enough in my life. I mean, I, I feel for anybody who hasn't. Uh, but for me, this is this was uh, this was great. I mean, and we do have. I mean, there's some. If you, we're using Hopin, so there's some networking component to it. People like that too. Um, and so far, so good. You know, let's see. Uh, I think there's there's others that uh, you know blazing the trail in ter terms of in person conferencing. I, I like that. And it's 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 I think it's webinar plus, you know. So there is some okay. engagement in there. <laughs> Michael, plus. any any thoughts about that? Um, about uh, how the the conference space is changing, or industry conferences are changing? Yeah, I I have not. Um, like I said, a lot a lot of my value is in the the interpersonal piece and the the quiet conversations right. that take time. Um, you, you guys probably are familiar with Tim Ferriss and his interview style and how he does these like three hour plus interviews of people and it gets them past the first sort of normal 20 minutes of talking points that they get into really deep content that you may not have heard from someone who you hear from all the time. Yeah. So put that into the event space. Um, the, the the online part of being it's it's the criticism of webinars the online part and being talked at really um, doesn't sort of feed my soul the way that getting um, eye to eye with people tends to um, maybe I need to set up like three hour phone calls with people I think I would drive them insane wait until the metaverse Michael the, yeah. uh oh Tucker Tucker what what should we have a three hour phone call Tucker I want to listen in on that. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, <laughs> my battery just died, so I had to go switch machines really quickly. Oh. You know, welcome to live yeah. streaming, everybody. I, you got you got to be I shameless. I can confirm you did that pretty quickly and very smoothly, so uh, congrats. That was pretty yeah. smoothly. <laughs> I, hardly, I barely noticed. Um, yeah, any, any, any words from you, Tucker, on the, on the sort of changing... I mean, we, we've heard about your dislike for webinars, but... Um, the the change in in online conferences and 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 meetings and stuff like that any anything you've seen uh, from your perspective at NIMSI? Yeah, I don't. I mean, there, there's still a very strong appetite for getting together as as a people uh, or as, as an industry as a, a 
our industry is an industry of people. And if you think about it, our industry attracts the type of people that have a passion for building communities, building cross-cultural communities and connections and facilitating conversations. Of course, we are a gregarious bunch. And people, I think, are chomping at the bit to get back to, to in-person because that's where the magic happens. That's where the innovation happens. That's where the, the, the really stupid sounding, but potentially awesome ideas are formed late night at the bars. And I think the, um, the online events have served their purpose and they've, they've helped scratch that mm -hmm. itch during the pandemic when getting together as a group was not, not possible, but it's far from replace the in-person events. What it's done actually is provided increased competition to the in-person event space. Um, and I think in increased competition leads to innovation. So the, the traditional events are now going to have to be having a hybrid option in order to capture both sides of the market. And from an accessibility and inclusion standpoint, it's been a great thing because people that would never dream of having a budget to be able to go to a Loke World or a Slater Con or all, all of these other great conferences that we have in our industry, now all of a sudden they have this option where they can um, dial in remotely and perhaps not get the full experience, but um, nonetheless feel included. Mm -hmm. So you've you kind of veering into the topic of accessibility. So maybe we can talk about that um, a little bit as well. And, and just um, any any thoughts on, on that um, topic, accessibility, maybe also from a point of view of um, automatic speech recognition, automatic captioning, anything interesting you've been seeing recently there? Question to all of you. I don't know who wants to jump in first. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you, I think everyone's kind of like recognizing the lack of accessibility we have on our podcasts and kind of not wanting to talk. But yeah, I would, um, it's something that I've thought a lot about because we do, there's a visual component to us, ours and, and the audio component. Um, we do use auto-generated captions and I, I recognize that, frankly, that's not good enough. We could do better on that. Um, it's difficult with live I would love to, and I've had it lined up a few times, but just um, always ends up not falling through at the last minute. I'd love to have ASL interpretation on video podcasts. And um, that's just me, right? But I, I, I think it's it opens up a whole new world because I think the um, the signing community out there is a community that, frankly... Well, I don't know. It's troublesome Terps. You guys probably don't. But the larger localization, the local world crowd, um, the usual suspects, we, we kind of overlook that. And I think it comes out of a place of ignorance, on honest, honest ignorance, ignorance that's honestly come by, right? Just because we, we're not open to that space. But um, I'd like to see a lot more accessibility for, for, for that out there. From myself too. I'm, I'm not like blaming anybody else. I'm just thinking I, I could be forking over the books to do all that stuff too. Because I have gotten the feedback that the the auto-generated captions, eh, eh, it's um, it's it hard. does the trick we, a little we bit. We tried it with the uh, yeah, we, we tried it with um, AI Media, the Australian company. They offered us one for for one Slater con, but it was it went through a re-speaker, and this was the first time I heard about re-speaking. So there's this is uh, for captioning. It's something that that they actually do. So there's somebody who sits and actually re-speaks what we're saying, 
and because the 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 system is trained on that person's voice, uh, it works a lot better. So that was the first time I heard about respeaking, and it was it was good. It was good. Yeah, that's what's used on German TV at least. Yeah, and they also correct the the captions. Like yeah, they correct the captions, and I mean, there's probably all the ums and ahs and all that right is taken out. But you got the you know human in the loop again. So so I think it's good that we feel sort of guilty for not addressing this more on for us personally. But you look at what the big companies have done during this time, like Microsoft and the level of accessibility they have offered. And it's extraordinary. It's been wonderful to witness um, that every single conference that Microsoft has had this year has had sign language uh, through hi hybrid. It's had uh, more languages offered than they ever have in their history. And the, the The, those big platforms have been able to really execute on them. There, there's a company I, I'm close to here in Seattle that has facilitated um, that for them. The barrier of entry, I mean, you, we have a sound engineer who works on my current podcast. It's, it's a lot for a couple guys who like to chat with people to put together on the back end. So, um, But I, I'm thrilled to see the amount of work that's being done in this space. Great. Well, thanks, Michael, for acknowledging all, all the work that can go and should go into a, into a, a properly produced Yeah, podcast. and I think it will get to us. I think it's, it's going to be the sort of thing where it's just a level of understanding that is um, delivered that the years past we could have never imagined that we can really understand each other and have understanding for others. Great, awesome. Um, so, I guess to wrap this panel up, um, can I can I ask you to look into the either to look into the crystal ball or maybe tell us a little bit about um, what you'd like to see next year or in the near future? What you're excited to uh, to see? What what should be coming? So, anything that you'd like to see? Um, anything you can share with us in, in that space? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. I'll volunteer. I'd like to see less of me out there. Like you guys are joking around. Um, oh, Tucker, Tucker's live streaming twenty four seven. I'm like, no, it's like twenty three seven. Like, don't don't get too dramatic. Um, but I'd like to see less of me out there because I'd like to see more people out there live streaming. I see my role here. Um, and perhaps I'm a little bit grandiose in my self image, but I kind of see my role as paving a way for other people to go out there and experiment and do fun things, go live, make an idiot out of yourself on air, do stupid stuff, do stupid stuff in public, um, and learn from it while you're doing it. And the reason I think that I can do that is because I, I, I work for myself, right? Like I don't have a boss. I couldn't do that back when I was working at my previous company, right? I'd, I'd get pulled into, pulled into rooms. I did get pulled into rooms back when I was at my previous company. But nowadays I can go out there. I can, you know, invoke my inner honey badger and just tear shit up in the hopes that people are going to see that and be inspired to go tear shit up themselves. Well, you did already pass it on to me, the whole uh, not being afraid yeah, to fail. Yeah, I've already wrote Hickey into it. <laughs> to fail in public. <laughs> She's doing a great job. Quick plug for last week in localization with Sarah Hickey. Yeah, it was MGBot. regular every Monday until recently when I got a bit. It is regular. They don't need yeah. to know that. Yeah, no, it's, it's every Monday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except when we're not. <laughs> 
you know, I was, I was listening to Florian and, you know, <laughs> you committed to a schedule. You know, that's, that's your first mistake, right? <laughs> that's your first mistake. Don't commit to a schedule. Don't, I mean, just... Yeah, once oh. you hop on the bandwagon, that's it. I, I did commit it to <laughs> yeah, myself, I though. I don't know. No. But, like, uh, you know, you got all these kind of superstar podcasters that are at, like, episode 2,345, right? So, like, we're coming up to 100. So, I guess my goal for <laughs> 2022 is let's get to 150. Uh, so just sticking to the schedule is nice. I love it. I love talking to people. I mean, I'm sure Tucker, that's what you appreciate about this as well, right? I mean, you get to talk to so many incredibly interesting people. Plus, you got to be really switched on yourself. Like you can't, I mean, at least I have to. Yeah. I can't like if I, you know, like lose focus, it gets embarrassing quite quickly. So, and we don't edit anything. So it's kind of, it has the feel, I guess, of a live stream. Uh, we've like only edited tape, yeah. once in like 100 mm-hmm. episodes. Uh, so yeah, so, you know, my goal, let's get to 152 episodes in, uh, by the end of 2022. Cool. Fingers crossed. Ma- Michael? Maybe ch- check out live streaming, Tucker. I'm inspired now. That's fabulous. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The streaming. Um, I, I look forward to getting to the in-person interviews again. The, that, that part, that, that is really where I like to mix it up and where I feel uh, personally the most energy in what we're doing. And uh, I think it the, the most interesting content. We've had some interesting uh, shows that aren't in person, but there's, there's just, I get more out of it, frankly. And you know, it's, it's about us. Yeah. Right. So well done for acknowledging the vanity aspect of Perfect. podcasting. That's cool though. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Uh, oh, I am thanks to all of you. Uh, thanks for this, for this first panel. And with that, we'll move on to our, to our next uh, voice memo. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit already because um, one of you, I forget who was brought up um, sign language and we got a, ASL. Yeah. yeah, ASL, exactly. So we got a lovely voice message from Romy and Kira over on the Lean podcast. So let's take a look at that. And uh, after that voice memo, we'll um, talk to Ada, Kerry, and Megan um, in our next panel. So let's listen to Romy and Kira first. It's the Lean podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. <laughs> My name's Kira. And my name is Romy. And this is, what is it? What is it? This is the Lean Podcast. <laughs> First, we want to say a big thank you to the Troublesome Chirps for having us here today and asking absolutely. us to be involved. It's a very exciting. It's a, absolutely. It's such a cool opportunity to show our work off to so many different people. We're really, really grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And maybe as you're watching, you've noticed there's something a little bit different about our podcast. I don't know. Kira, do you want to say a bit more? Mm-hmm. That's all right, Robbie. Well, you might notice that we're using sign language, more specifically Irish sign language, ISL, because we are both Irish sign language interpreters. Now, Irish sign language is the recognised indigenous language of the deaf community here in Ireland. And it's got its own grammar. It's got its own structure. It's not based on spoken language. It's very much its own language. I don't know, maybe you know a little bit about sign languages or not, but every country has its own national sign language. Not only that, some countries even have two sign languages. As an example, in Spain, they have two sign languages. They've got Spanish sign language and Catalonian sign language as well. So 
There you are, little fact. And not only that, it is worth mentioning that Irish Sign Language as its own language is different from British Sign Language, also known as BSL, and it's also different from American Sign Language, ASL. You know, even though they all speak the same spoken language of English, they all have their own sign languages. So, yeah, little fun fact for you there. <laughs> so maybe you've guessed by this point what our podcast is all about. Maybe. But if you haven't, <laughs> we talk all things sign language interpreting. Absolutely. Everything to do with sign language interpreting. Anything you can imagine really, we talk about. <laughs> That's it, exactly. So normally Kira and I, we pick a question for an episode. So as an example, we'd say uh, what we think team interpreting is, just as an example. Normally what would happen is Kira and I would then talk about this topic for the first part and go, okay, well, what does this actually mean for us? You know, how we team interpret, how we work together. We go on our practical knowledge and our academic knowledge, we chat about it. And then we invite someone way more knowledgeable and influential than we are. And we have a conversation, the three of us, about the topic. And at the end of the day, it's just a chat about various topics related to interpreting. Right, Kira? That's exactly it. Um, and you might be thinking, why did you set up your podcast? How did it all begin? Well, basically, if you don't know already, myself and Romy are two massive nerds. Uh, self-confessed nerds. We love talking all about interpreting linguistics, language, learning as much as we can. And we've been like that for quite some time because the two of us actually study together yeah. and we became interpreters. Yeah. We've always been having these conversations and these discussions. And what we'd normally do back in the day is we'd use WhatsApp and still do use WhatsApp voice notes to send messages to each other. And this was a constant daily occurrence. <laughs> so one day I thought, why are we just the two of us having these conversations? I'm sure there's loads of interpreters out there. They're having the exact same issues, same challenges, same dilemmas coming up for them. So I think we definitely need to share to share that conversation with others. And that's how we began the Lean Podcast. Absolutely. We kind of were going back and forth a little bit about what languages we wanted to record the podcast in, particularly because we felt it's not just hearing interpreters who work in sign language. We have deaf interpreters. And deaf interpreters are those who are first language Irish sign language users who are part of the deaf community and know the various language requirements that would be needed for the community. And it's a very valued and necessary skill. We felt if we only used English for the podcast, we would be excluding parts of our professional body, which wouldn't be okay. And we didn't want that at all, which is why we decided to make our podcast as accessible as possible. So that means our podcasts are always in English, Irish sign language, and we have English captioning as well. This is to kind of try cater to as many audiences as possible to listen and watch our podcast. Did you want to add anything else about that, Keeks? Well, it's funny that you mentioned deaf interpreting, Romy, because that's actually one of the topics we decided to talk about in one of our episodes of exactly. our podcast. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know, if you want to have a look, have a watch, have a listen, so you can find out more information about it there. Absolutely. I think at the end of the day, we're a fun, open podcast and all we want to do is talk about all things interpreting, right, Geeks? <laughs> that's it, really. That's, that's exactly it. It. It's a very simple idea. <laughs> and that's why we're so grateful to the Troublesome Terps to have invited us here today. Um, that's a really cool opportunity to show a little bit about who we are and maybe you learned a little bit about sign language and maybe you'll have a new perspective about interpreting in general. That's the aim. That's right. So if you'd like to see more or learn a little bit more about us, you can watch our podcast in Irish Sign Language on our YouTube channel or you can listen along 
to our English version wherever you like to listen to your favourite podcasts. You can find us there. So just to say thanks so much again for watching. Thanks so much for inviting us. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for watching. Bye. It's the Podcast. I mean, I know we're usually announcing segues, but the whole discussion about inclusion and accessibility that we just heard on the previous panel could not have come at a better point right before this video. So that was excellent. That was an excellent transition. And thank you <laughs> we, so much for the segue. We are the, the, we are that the was segue incredible. emperors. <laughs> Um, but so that brings us actually to our second panel on where we have two podcasts on. Uh, one is Cervice Escucha with Ada Folkmer and The Vocal Fries, which is Carrie Gillen and Megan Figuero. So welcome to the three of you. I think we're all having all... Yeah, everybody's online. Um, Welcome to all three of you. Do you maybe want to talk about the names of your podcast? Because I think that might be the first thing that um, a lot of people are wondering about. What is CVC Escucha? What does that mean? And also, what's the vocal fries? What, what is a vocal fry? Ada, do you want to go first, maybe? <laughs> sure, I'll go first. Uh, so CVC Escucha means seen and heard. Um, we are a podcast about language justice, about interpreting, and about organizing in the U.S. South. Um, so for me, I wanted um, the title to kind of convey that language justice is work that you hear, that you, um, you know, it, mostly we talk about interpreting, uh, English-Spanish interpreting, but it's also something that um, you should feel. And so that's why we wanted to say, se ve, se escucha, so... Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and it's true. There's there's definitely all these components in there. Um so Carrie, Megan, how how did you guys come up with your name for your podcast? <laughs> well, we were talking about the you know, what the podcast was going to be about from the very beginning. It was always going to be about linguistic uh, discrimination and why that's bad. And you know, at the time, vocal fry was talked about a lot, so that's a, a way of using your voice. It's a little bit creaky. And uh, a lot of people think it's only young women who use it, but the, it's basically all English speakers use it at least somewhat. And um, I, it's not even young women who use it the most. There are men, there are some men who use it the most. But anyway, uh, so we were just like banning ideas back and forth, like what would be a good name that, you know, incorporates vocal fry. And I can't remember who came up with it. I think it might have been me, but I can't remember for sure. I was like, oh, vocal fries. So... <laughs> Then I then I asked my husband to create a little fry icon for us because he's a graphic designer. So, <laughs> and it's iconic, iconic at this point, <laughs> at least to me in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's perfect because one of the things that women get disparaged for as podcast hosts is vocal fry. Um, mm. So it works on that level too. That is very true. But I think already from the introduction of the two podcasts, maybe you can kind of derive why we why we lumped you two uh, podcasts together, you know, with the whole angle of sort of um, linguistic discrimination, justice in language, justice in interpreting. We figured this would be a very um, potentially socially conscious uh, panel discussion. And kind of the first question that I want to ask the the three of you is why did you think that a podcast was the right format for you to talk about these 
potentially relatively heavy topics, you know, at times, I mean, you know, justice and organizing, but also linguistic discrimination can be pretty heavy handed or pretty heavy topics, I should say. And if not handled correctly, can be pretty heavy handed. Um, so why did you guys figure a podcast would be the right way to go? Um, I guess for me, I thought, because Megan and I've been friends for so long, at least we could keep it lighter. If it was a like if it was a podcast, like you can have a conversation and you can have make jokes. And mm. It's it's easier to like I think tonally hit the right note. Um, in text, it can be harder, I think. Although that's <laughs> we're writing a book about it too right now, so <laughs> it's now I really know how much harder it is to do. We need um, to talk about the book as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, so I just, um, I think for me, it's like, you could do it in video for sure. Um, but there's an easy, it's easier to just do audio, like in terms of like, becoming being an amateur, it's a little bit harder, I think, to also do video, at least for me. So I think that's why I, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I like getting my information um, auditorially. Um, so for me, that was just like, it made Podcasts sense. Podcasts were in their too. heyday. I mean, maybe, I mean, like 2016, 17, when we were thinking about it, or 2017, I guess. Um, not that they're not in their heyday now. I don't even know what we consider their heyday now, but podcasts are very popular and they were when we were talking about it. Um, so. Mm. The golden age of podcasting. Ada, what about you? Um, for me, so I'm a freelance English Spanish interpreter, um, but I also train interpreters. Um, and we had written a manual, like a training manual for social justice interpreters. Um, and so as soon as we printed that manual, and that manual was based on several years of community interpreter practice sessions. So we published this manual. It's beautiful. It has these nice illustrations. And as soon as we published the manual, it was kind of outdated. And I wouldn't have said that anymore. And mm. I wouldn't explain it that way anymore. And me and my co-host who started the podcast, we were in, in, podcast nerds, like Florian said, like always with the uh, earbuds on. Um, and so we thought that the podcast would be a way to continue the conversation from the interpreter training curriculum. Um, so we, we thought of it kind of as an extension of it. And it was a good way to kind of like, as things adapt, as things change, we can put it into the into the podcast instead of going back to the manual and like editing version 3.5, version 4.2, version... Mm -hmm. uh, can, can I ask a really simple question? We've talked about the idea of uh, linguistic ju language justice and linguistic justice. Could, you get, could all three of you give me a really potty definition of what you mean by that? This is my least favorite question, and I was like, they're going to ask me what it is. <laughs> this is my least favorite question, but um, for me, language justice has to do with the right of being uh, being able to uh, to speak and to be understood, and it has to do with the right to participate uh, fully, um, no matter what language you speak and no matter how you speak that language. So interpretation and translation are a part of that. But I think it's, for me, how do we use language um, as part of our movements for climate justice, gender justice, racial justice? Um, how, how are we thinking about language in our movements for social justice? 
Yeah, similarly, for me, it would be ling- linguistic or language justice would be when we stop, um, we get rid of the barriers to material and immaterial resources and opportunities based on how someone speaks or signs. And for me, it's just being able to speak the language that's part of your heritage, right? So for me, I get to speak that every day, <laughs> right? Um, I, I, as I told Megan one time, I have no idea how many generations ago my ancestors wouldn't have spoken English. Maybe Scots at some point, but it was a while ago. Um, but for many people, especially Indigenous people, their access to their language has been taken away by, uh, by you know, us colonizers uh, on purpose. <laughs> uh, it was, th- the languages have been purposely suppressed. And so for me, language justice involves just even being able to speak your own language, being given the opportunity to learn it in whatever way it works for, for you. And another kind of difficult question coming from the research in there, are, are translation and interpreting always helping language justice or do they sometimes hold it back? <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot, um, uh, speaking uh, um, with deaf colleagues and just about podcasts in general too, that there's no real way for their message to be heard or seen through them. Um, it's going to be through the interpreter, um, no matter how you really look at it. Uh, so that, I think, is just, uh, I mean, I don't know if there's a way to solve that problem, but that is an issue that I've heard um, from deaf colleagues. No, I think that there's a bad a bunch of bad translation and bad interpretation that is hindering access to to justice. And one of the things that we sometimes talk about kind of when we introduce language justice to clients or to um, folks who are trying to incorporate it into their work is there's access and there's justice. And I think about the hospital here where I live in, in North Carolina. Um, right now, if you give birth in the hospital, you have access to an interpreter via a language line. Um, and for me, that's not justice, right? Um, so to think about those two things, I think sometimes helps as well. Mm. So uh, Megan and Carrie, you mentioned that you're writing a book. So is that sort of something that you're touching upon on in the book as well? Yes, that is um, part of what we're talking about. I mean, it's a it, we have this like big idea of like okay, linguistic uh, discrimination. People don't really know what it is, and people engage in it all the time. So how do we explain what it is? and to stop doing it and like how to stop doing it. And yeah, one of the topics is, um, has to do with, uh, ableism, autism. Um, but we talk about so many different things Mm. because it's everywhere, (laughs) you know, it involves class, race, sex, uh, gender, um, like anything you can possibly think of, basically, there is a way that we can discriminate based on language. And so it is kind of a, a huge thing. <laughs> yeah, and it's a, a lot harder than I thought I was going to be emotionally, too. Um, I research things and then or write things, and I feel emotionally just drained because it's mm. 
hurtful things uh, that we're talking about, p- things that hurt people. Um, so it's it's harder than I thought. Writing a book is hard. Writing a book <laughs> that is so painful, like some of these topics are so painful, and yeah. then trying to be like, how do we make this digestible so that we, I you know, like the podcast. So it, it's a lot of things are making it difficult. Yeah, for me, the I think the hardest thing is like, like hitting the right note of like, this is a really serious topic. But also like, I don't want you to be depressed. I want you to be like, enjoying the read. And that's actually quite difficult. So mm. yeah, I would imagine striking the right balance there getting the right tone that can't be easy. Um, but so we're slowly having to move on to the next um, me- video message and then the next panel. But I did want to ask you guys sort of a this is probably a question that we could discuss also for, for like an hour, as we could with anything, with anyone here. Um, but I think especially in the, in the United States, the whole notion of social justice, you know, the social justice warriors and SGWs and stuff <laughs> has gotten a really bad rap. And I feel like what you guys are doing and what you guys are talking about is incredibly important. And I'm wondering, is there anything that you think that we can do to kind of help destigmatize social justice and kind of take that take that stink away from it again because i mean we should all want social justice right linguistic justice social justice um i don't know that just occurred to me it might be a totally <laughs> totally off base question no no i think it's a good question so mm-hmm. so i mean here's the thing i don't think it's actually wrong, bad or wrong to be a social justice warrior so to me right. as being called and we're called sjws all the time and marks as carers and Marcus is carried by our, by our <laughs> fan. So I, I, I just think it's fine. I, I don't, I don't, if that's what you want to call me, that's fine. If you think that that's a bad term, that says more about you than it does about us. And that's, mm. to me, like, just saying stuff like that actually can be helpful. Like, oh, what's wrong with being a social justice warrior? Explain to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, push them on it. What? And I think that they, you'll see they can't really take it much further. Because <laughs> they don't even That's know what Marxism it. is. <laughs> I know. They don't know these things. Marxist Karens. <laughs> yeah, and do they I don't can't. even understand what Karen is. I believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm beginning to think that if someone doesn't think that you're a danger, you're probably not doing it right. Mm, yes. Yeah. yeah. The the Karen thing reminds me of one thing, which which sort of leads us into the next video message that we'll have is that it, because it's from one of the podcasters is called Corinne, and the the speech recognition engine sort of kept rendering it as Karen for some reason. But I I, I was glad I was the human in the loop and was able to to uh, fix that there. But other um, Karen and Megan. Well, the tales I could tell you as a Glaswegian yeah. about what speech recognition has done to my. Uh, uh, we'll have to put the link to oh, the lift video in the show notes. with the elevator. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. I yeah, just wanna, Alec, go uh, ahead. I just wanted to say, Alex, I grew up, uh, Alex G., I grew up in uh, Mexico and I went to school in the United States in Texas. And the first day that my mom signed me up for school, they started to call me Ada. And my, my mom came the next day and she said, La niña se llama Ada. My <laughs> name is Ada. So I have to like do, do, do my own family just absolutely just get that officially on the record <laughs> sorry no that's okay <laughs> yes we'll we'll change it in post but no that's of course important the names the names are important they are they are really they important. are yeah and i i, I yep. tell that to my kids all the time as well as so you have a right you know um 
to, to get for people to get your name right exactly so uh, i thought that was super interesting basically other you you and the team you moved kind of from the book from the manual to the podcast and the vocal fries kind of moved from the <laughs> podcast to the book i think that's amazing and i'm really looking forward to that book so i, I don't know do you have an eta already or should we not ask about it when's it when's it going to come out probably there's a little rule here that I don't think you're aware of. As someone who's written two books, you never ask someone their age and you never ask an author when the book will be finished. Ah, oh, yeah, I see. <laughs> My bad. That's fair. My bad. That is very fair. It's just I'm so curious to see it. That's all. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I don't cool. like okay. the age rule, to be honest, Jonathan. We have to talk about that again. I think you should ask someone the age. It's, I think there shouldn't be shame associated with age. Exactly. You know? But I am okay with the other one. I, I, I've been 29 plus something for a number of years now. The just plus number just gets bigger well, and bigger. Why? You're such a baby face anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh. But it's funny you should mention that because the, the H thing will come up in the next voice memo. But before we get to that, um, oh. Ada, Carrie, and Megan, thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you and, so much. And uh, everybody, you should really check out these two podcasts. So uh, again, for uh, for all the hosts we have on tonight, uh, we'll have the links in the show notes. Alex G is going to make sure of that, right? Yes. So we'll have all the links to the, yes. to the shows. Yes, we're going to link to all of your other projects. Your shows. Yeah. Um, and with the Vocal Fries, we did uh, a crossover before, so you can listen back to that as well um, to learn more. Great. So thanks um, to the three of you for joining us. You're welcome to stick around, of course, if you, if you have time. And with that, we'll move on to a little um, message from uh, Yves Baudet and Corinne McKay, whose podcast, Speaking of Translation, is currently on a bit of a hiatus because they were really the OG podcasters, I think, in our space. So um, let's see what they uh, have prepared for us. Uh, just a second. Here we go. Hello, I'm Yves Baudet from the podcast, Speaking of Translation. And I'm Corinne McKay. And we are thrilled to be here with Troublesome Terps today. Thanks so much for inviting us. And we're going to share an anecdote about interpreting. As luck would have it, Corinne spent the last school year pursuing a master's in conference interpreting at Glendon College in Toronto. So she is going to enlighten us with a little story about that. <laughs> and I, too, am super excited to hear more about her experience there and what she learned in the big picture. So, Corinne, have at it. Thank you. Um, so, Eve and I are the co-hosts of the podcast Speaking of Translation, which we hosted monthly for 13, count them, 13 years. And, um, <laughs> we've now put the podcast on hiatus for a little bit, but all of our archives are still there at speakingoftranslation.com. So my message to all of you Troublesome Terps listeners would be basically, if I can do it, you can do it. I've been a freelance translator since 2002, and I always really wanted to pursue interpreting, but it was logistically really difficult until my now almost 19-year-old daughter was older. So in 2018, I had this moment where I thought, okay, this is now or never. I need to pursue my interpreting ambitions now, or I'm never going to do it. And after a year and a half of intensive studying, I passed the state of Colorado, where I live in the U.S., uh, state of Colorado French court interpreter exam in 2019. And then during the most recent school year in 2020-2021, as Eve said, I did a master's in conference interpreting English A, French B at Glendon College, which is part of York University in Toronto, Canada. So my message to you is 
when I started pursuing interpreting, I could not even shadow. So you guys probably know what shadowing is, but it is the most basic form of simultaneous interpreting or the most basic skill you learn to do simultaneous interpreting, which is where you simply repeat after the speaker in the same language. So you are not going from one language to another, just repeating and trying to mirror the speaker's pacing and intonation. So when I started doing that, I had to either shadow something like the news in slow French, something that was deliberately slow, or I had to slow YouTube videos down to 0.75 speed. And then I progressed to very slow speakers. And I honestly, when I was learning consecutive interpreting, I'd panic if someone talked for more than about one sentence. Mm -hmm. And now I am, after studying interpreting for about three years, I'm definitely still on the path, far from perfect, a lot to learn. But I did pass the exit exams for my conference interpreting masters, which included a five-minute consecutive speech. And we actually practiced up to 10 minutes mm -hmm. and did some really fast simultaneous speakers and survived. So, my message to you would be, of course, um, there are people who are incredibly talented at interpreting and pick it up faster, but really for most of us, it is almost all about learning the techniques, tons and tons of practice, learning to stay calm in a high-stress environment, and really committing to be that person's voice in another language. Um, and I think that for a lot of would-be interpreters, certainly for me, I think that improving and maintaining your B and C languages are actually the biggest challenge. So for myself, I'm what I say is a real French B, <laughs> which means um, I don't live in a French-speaking country. I have no French uh, contact in my daily life. So maintaining my B language is probably my biggest challenge in interpreting. And as luck would have it, Eve wrote a book <laughs> on that very topic, and it is called Maintaining Your Second Language. And if, not only because Eve is my friend and colleague, but because really you need this book. Um, again, it's called Maintaining Your Second Language. I think the title speaks for itself. And if you haven't read it, I would strongly encourage you to pick up that book because some of the techniques that I used the most throughout my interpreting program, I learned from Eve's book. So Eve, did you want to say anything else about the book or where people can look for it? Oh, sure. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. Um, there, you can get it on um, in Kindle format and Apple books and in hard copies. So yeah. And you can also on my website, you, it tells more information about this little video and stuff. So that's um, BaudouInternational.com. But also I wanted to say thank you, Corinne, um, for talking about that. I love the um, kind of your story because even though we look 20... <laughs> Oh, Almost. yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're not. And I, and I do like the idea. You know, I love that idea. And I want everyone to take that away from what you talked about, too, is that, you know, even as you aren't, you know, even though maybe we're not traditional student age, you can have these specific dreams and kind of make them happen and go back. And then even for me, looking at you when you first started the um, ma the master's in conference interpreting, I thought. And you wondered like, oh, what I was thinking. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, just the time. Like, that's already done. Yes. I mean, that, that you put your time to doing it and then you did it. And the time went by fast. You know, it went by fast for me because I 
I didn't, I, I wasn't the one studying it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, the idea that it's totally doable. It doesn't take, you know, necessarily eight years of your life to get to, to, to if you put a plan together to whatever your dreams might be, listeners, um, having to do with T&I or otherwise, um, Corinne has shown us that you can, you know, you can make that plan and, and get it done. That's what I think. For me, I have the hard time sometimes executing stuff. So to me, it shows you, you know, shows that you can make this plan and have it get, and get it done. And, and what I meant was it's already completed and I can't believe it. It went by so fast. I know it, that's, yeah. Thanks for that point. Even that's correct. I talked to someone from our local translators association the other day who said to me exactly the same thing. Like, I'm sure it didn't go fast when you were the one in the program, but this woman said, you know, I feel like it was not that long ago that you were thinking about applying and now you are already done and have your master's. And yes, for all of you out there who are not 22, um, I'm going to be 49 for 21 more days. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and, and, big and birthday after, coming up. And, and after that, I have a big birthday coming and I was not, I don't think I was the oldest person in my program and there were many, many people who were not 22. So do not mm-hmm. let that stop you. Yeah, great. Awesome. Okay. I think well, that's what we got for you. Yeah. Thanks again to Troublesome Terps for inviting us to be guests on this special episode and keep up the great work. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I just love the chemistry between yeah. the two. So I hope the the podcast comes back from uh, the hiatus at some point. <laughs> but um, we'll just keep cracking with our with our next panel right here. And for that, I'd like to uh, yes. call on our next guests, um, which would be Kate Hamilton who has been on the show before. Uh, good evening, Kate. Hi. It's great to have you back. And uh, I have to say this live again. Congratulations on the Master of Science that you got today, yesterday. Yay. When was it? Congratulations. Yay. Thank you. That actually really resonates with what the ladies were just saying, because I'm okay. 42. I started, <laughs> you know, like a couple, like I, I applied when I was 40. Um, and yeah, you, you, you're you never too old to go and study something that you're really interested in. I do my PhD now, so I'll be you know, and the oldest person kind of graduating or something, but that's what I thought. But actually, you know, you're not, everybody's there. It's, it's about the learning. It's not about the age. So exactly. If anything, I always find it really impressive yeah. when someone who's um, out of the, let's say traditional college age and a little older, deeper in life to still go back to college because it's, it shows that you want to learn that you're still driven that you have ambitions and that you're not just you know settled i mean it's also nice to you know be settled in a certain way in your life of course i'm not saying that you know we all need some comfort but um i think it's great yeah that's what i want to do as well just you know continuous learning yeah no i think go for it and also being a bit older you can um I, I think I'm better at thinking. <laughs> Great, <laughs> probably yeah. A bit more perspective. <laughs> but let's. Uh, you, you can you can look at you can look at stuff and put it in perspective. It's not all new to you. So. Totally true. Yeah, but let's welcome our, our second guest on this panel, which would be uh, Michaela Haller, conference interpreter from Germany and host of the 2.56 Square Meter podcast. Uh, welcome, Michaela. Thank you. Very well done. <laughs> <laughs> not everybody gets that. Uh, yeah, the title of my podcast as smoothly. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen it so often these, these past did. few days that I, I can now um, correctly <laughs> remember it. But but for those of the listeners, I guess who who don't who haven't got the any clue what that what that um, number means, to tell them what it what it's about. Yeah, that is um, the inner size of a ISO uh, booth interpreting booth. It's really small. Sounds I tiny. found that out when I was searching for it is tiny and I was searching for a name and yeah, then I was like, okay, well, how big is the 
the booth actually and it's really small so that's the workspace we're in lots of the time but you know what's funny now with with corona you we usually all get one booth per person you know because of social a single one stuff. right or, or a double yeah a single one so like a double person booth per interpreter and there have been these rare occasions when you do get to sit with a colleague in one booth and we're both just sitting there and it's like How did this ever work? How were we ever able to fit two people in one interpreting booth and do any work here? <laughs> so <laughs> I know I was just in a in a room. Actually, it was a not a not a booth, but it was a whole room. My colleague and I had uh, for work, and we had two laptops and mics, and was like. Oh. We, we didn't have enough space. It was a huge yeah. table. <laughs> In the end, we just put one laptop away and worked together on one <laughs> because we just couldn't manage. I don't know how we ever did that. It can feel really claustrophobic. That's that's totally true. Yeah, yeah. but but I mean, Absolutely. sort of going back to the topic of of learning, I guess. Um, Kate, your podcast is yeah. called Language Revolution, and and was sort of learning curiosity was that what got you started on on your show? Because you've had some quite cool guests on as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's quite a selfish podcast. I ask people to come on because I'm interested in what well, I, you know, I've, I've got a question that, or an itch or something I want to kind of scratch. And then I, I think, who's the best person to answer this question? And then I, I ask them. And yeah, so I've spoken to David Crystal, who I'm obviously, you know, like all linguists, like a massive fan of his. And um, a few, yeah, a few really interesting, cool people who just, they've been very generous with their time, but it's it's been about like learning And my kind of journey as a sort of a linguist has, has been ne a sort of running along parallel, I guess, with the podcast. Um, so, yeah, and one of my favorite episodes was um, about the history of language education. So that's really interesting. Um, and like the 16th century England and Dutch dictionaries at the time and, you know, how um, the Italian tutors would have like a feud in London about who was the best Italian tutor or who had the most recent Who'd been to the Parisian court most recently, and therefore their French was superior? <laughs> um, <laughs> Just the usual things. <laughs> I, I've never seen language people having feuds. <laughs> no, and I was like, it's just like YouTube. <laughs> it's, it's YouTube, <laughs> YouTube, but sort of fifteenth, sixteen hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, guys, I want to address something here today, <laughs> like that kind of. <laughs> The drama. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to see there's a, there's a huge variety. And I think that's that's true for your show as well, um, Michaela. You've, you've covered a lot of ground as well already. And and you had a, sort of a little bit about the business of interpreting and, and how to get started and what it's like in, in specific disciplines of interpreting, I guess. But you also talked about a few um, topics that are sort of more about language in, in general, I guess. Like um, one thing that, that um, I think a lot of interpreters are acutely aware of these days um, is, is the role of English, English as a lingua. Um, Franca, I guess, and, and a lot of delegates using English, and, and maybe then the number of languages used in the meetings that we work at is is shrinking. What what was your um, takeaway from the, from sort of the the language focused episodes that you had, or from this from this English one? Were you a little bit afraid um, your job might get less interesting, maybe, or um, what? What would you take away from that? Well, I as an English interpreter, I. I'm not so afraid of English being spoken at conferences because um, that ensures my work. Uh, so um, I <laughs> <Fair point. laughs> 
I, I, I see the problems or I see the fear of people, of interpreters working with, um, yeah, less widespread languages. Or just let it be the normal European languages we had at conferences just a couple of years ago, just Italian, French, also these colleagues complained to me that there are less conferences uh, where those languages are actually needed. So I am confronted with a variety of English, actually. And I'm not only a conference interpreter where you have, yeah, a certain variety of English, um, but I also work as a court interpreter. And I see an extremely extreme variety of English that I have sometimes trouble understanding, actually. And so this is something that I, um, yeah, very aware of, that there's so much more English than what I learned or what I'm used to, because also conference speak is sort of, yeah, always the same kind of, but um, there's so much more English, African accents, uh, Asian accents, Indian English, which... I really have to, yeah, concentrate a lot to um, to get the message across in the end. Yeah, and, and Kate, one of the, the topics that we discussed on our joint episode, I think, was a little bit related to this. So it was about bilingualism and multilingualism. So as someone who's also very interested in how language develops, how would you see that? Is Because it, it seems to be a little bit contradictory. There's a growing awareness, I think, for bilingualism and multilingualism. At least I, I like to believe that. But but on the other hand, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a big movement towards using English as a lingua franca. Or maybe that isn't a contradiction. Maybe it's just two things happening in parallel. What... Um, what would you say to that? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, so, I mean, English has really grown and really spread. There's billions of English speakers now. And actually, it's kind of moved away from what you might call the original places where English came from, you know, the UK, the US, and, um, you know, Kakru's inner circle of English. And now you've got, like, almost like no connection between sort of the outer circles of English and, the, and like, the original... You know, the, the British English, for example, like if you're in an international meeting and there's a couple of British people there, it's terrible <laughs> because everybody speaks in idioms and metaphors and doesn't really say anything straightforward. And it's actually quite difficult to understand um, like that kind of idiomatic English. I think it can be, you know, just not very plain and simple um, in terms of like... Um, so the you know I, I, from my perspective it's the U, the UK has a bit of a problem in that English is spoken everywhere so when I'm mm. teaching kids in school it's it, you have to persuade them it's worth learning French because actually you know it's it's not just about whether you will go to a cafe in France and order a coffee in French it's actually about culture and and life and people and interesting stuff and just those moments you won't have if you don't speak the language because you can go pretty much anywhere in the world, can't you? And say, you know, um, you know, have a transaction on a basic level in English. And what we're losing out on is that sort of ability to actually connect with people. And like here, you already mentioned about how interpreters and linguists we're people, people. <laughs> we like to connect with people, don't we? And yeah, it's. I think languages are really important for that. So I guess sort of my. Um, my angle on it is that I think we need to really persevere at promoting language learning, not for the sake of that sort of transactional 
um, what's the word, instrumental usage. It's not just about achieving a goal in that language. It's about, you know, making um, an, a, a step towards another person's culture or, or just, you know, understanding the art or getting into the literature or the films in the original language because you get a lot more out of it. Um, and there is a bit of a movement in Britain, like towards bilingual, like it, it, it's, a it's something that we talk about. It's more of a talking point. We've got 22% of kids are multilingual in, in school mm. in Britain. But but generally, it's not really, um, you know, we haven't really shifted the English hegemony. <laughs> it's still, you know, it, it it's a mindset that British people feel like they can't do languages, which I think is a bit sad. Um, so we're trying to break that down. Actually, everybody's a linguist. That's what I always say. From birth, we're all linguists. Even if you only speak English, you speak varieties of English. You've got dialect dialectal differences you know you don't speak to your boss the same as you speak to your mum or whatever so yeah I think we need to we need to talk about language and the connections that languages have and yeah I think yeah. Kate what you just said uh, reminded me about um, English or British speakers or English speakers mm. um, increasing a language barrier at international mm. conferences I just read a tweet the other day from the um, climate conference I think there was a English speaker, and he made a speech and was full of cultural references and referring yeah. to English researchers and uh, very cultural specific. And someone was complaining, like, nobody can understand this. Nobody can interpret this even mm -hmm. because it's so specific. And I thought that was really interesting what you just pointed out. Yeah, it can just muddy, it can, yeah. it can make it more difficult, can't it? It's just, you know, it's... Um, It's important not to be like too obtuse and referring to something <laughs> that yeah, you, only you, another you person want, who saw the same program as you don't want to keep moving the goalposts until the case come up. <laughs> and Kate, I like what you said about that it's difficult sometimes to con to convey to people uh, that language is more about you know it's not just oh yeah then you can order a coffee or <laughs> you know you can get a degree or oh. these different things, but that it's really about. Um, that it should be something very lively. It's about life, it's about people, it has a lot of culture and history in it. And for me, for example, I speak, um, you know, I speak English with my husband because he's Irish and uh, he doesn't speak a lot of German yet. He's working on it. Um, and I sometimes try to convince the people, uh, well, convey to people why it's important to me that he also learns German because I'm saying, because they're saying like, well, your English is so good. Why does he need to learn German? But it's like, well, but then there will always be a part of me that he cannot know because I can show him certain things mm. in my country and everything, but there are certain things that are so embedded in the language. And there's also certain things that I only got about his culture by living in Ireland for like almost a decade, you know? <laughs> so um, there's so much more to language than just the pure linguistic part, which I'm also a fan of because I'm also a linguistics nerd, but you know, there's so much more to it. Yeah, no, like you're completely right. If you if your husband doesn't sort of get to a certain point with German, he's not going to like unlock the last level, is he? Exactly. Yeah, the <laughs> he's end game. Keep going. You know, <laughs> the end he's got to get. Yeah, it's really important. Like, how do you truly know someone if you don't like? Um, if you yeah, there's just some expressions like you know, it's really popular now to have those untranslatable words oh, yeah. it? oh. it's not so much it's not so much like there isn't a direct translation it's just that there is a cultural thing exactly. here. there's like a little nugget of of something yeah. tied up in that word um and yeah you can't you can't know it unless you understand that word so it's important 
Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I wanted to come back to what you said about the the whole uh, sort of people thing and, and direct interaction with with people. And uh, Michaela, I mentioned the, that it's it's there's still a pandemic going on at the moment, um, so I'm kind of reluctant to to uh, speak about the, the new normal. But um, how have things sort of shaped up for you? I mean, you you probably do most of your interviews remotely. You probably do a, a lot of work remotely as well these days. So what what does it look like for you? What's what's the new rea reality of being an interpreter, I guess? Well, the reality of being a podcaster and a, an interpreter is pretty similar currently. <laughs> so um, the, there are similarities. Um, I started out the podcast right before the pandemic and my I imagined so I'm still starting out I'm in my second year now um so and I I, I imagined like traveling around with my mic interviewing interesting people and just being on the road and something like that and then I recorded one episode like that and then <laughs> COVID came I was like okay I need a new plan and I started to record remotely and I so I had a good mic actually when everything started out when everybody was searching for mics and headphones and everything so yeah I'm I worked a lot remotely I um there were times in Germany in the summertime when we could do on-site work and a lot of my clients wanted to do on-site work as soon as it was possible but then yeah now it's we're well, we're all, we're going back into a bad place right now. So um, this is the place I am at my home studio right now, yeah. mostly. <laughs> But interesting to see to see these parallels between podcasting and interpreting. That's definitely something I think. Uh, yeah, all of us here can can sort of uh, confirm as well. Um, and and Kate, um, what what was the experience like now for your um, for for the MS the 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 degree you got? Was it very different from from your initial degree? What what's what was it like to do that in a pandemic? I guess. Um, well, I guess we were quite lucky. We got the first term in person right. um, wearing masks and because it's a graduate degree, there was a small class. So it wasn't like, you know, too difficult to spread out and have the seminars in person. But then the whole UK lockdown last Christmas. And then we were at home from about November through to March, I think. So that was tough. I mean, I, I like I'm a mum, I've got three kids. And so I was doing my degree And I had to lock myself in this room where I am now and say, that's it. I'm studying for a few hours and, you know, that kind of thing. So I think, um, yeah, I think it was, you know, it it definitely wasn't what I was expecting when I signed up for it. You know, the idea is to, I like people. I want to meet new people. And if you go somewhere like Oxford, there's going to, you know, you're bound to find people who are on the same wavelength and it would be cool to hang out in libraries and that sort of thing. But actually, Probably because I was not distracted by socializing and chatting. <laughs> I got a lot more work done. <laughs> so yeah, so it had it had a bonus effect, like unintentionally that I got a good grade. But <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, no, I think we've we've kind of worked out how to do hybrid learning now. So that people can sign on in, you know, like India and they can be in the seminar with us. And so at the moment we're kind of in the room, but there's also people signing in online on the screen. So I guess that might be like some of your conferences that you're at. And the tech has rapidly improved. We now have like microphones all around the room. So if you're online, you can actually hear what people at the back of the class are saying. So, yeah. I would also like to add to that 
a bonus effect I had from the pandemic because I think we all need good news sometimes. And I, I had a co completely different plan in the beginning, but the pandemic uh, had the effect that I had guests on my podcast I would not have had before mm. or I would not have ever thought about inviting um, if I had pursued that original plan. I talked to Judy Jenner in Las Vegas. I mean, I don't think I would have gotten on the plane with my mic. And uh, so unless you get a really I good sponsor, I guess. <laughs> Yes. That would have been a very involved podcast episode, yeah. for sure. I know. <laughs> That's my kind of podcast very episode. Very committed. Talking about remote guests, this is the moment when I be when I can kind of get my own back for a few months ago. So our last panel is with uh, Maria Perez and Tamara Muroiwa. I was on Maria's podcast. It is. It reminds me, actually, it's kind of like a... It reminds me of the, the vibe and the feeling of, uh, la of early Lang FM episodes. It's got that kind of relaxed but deep thinking podcast, Maria's podcast. Tamara, since I've already said about Sorry, Maria's podcast, if, if would I you like interview you, your podcast? Before we, and before we come to the next panel, I wanted to at least thank Kate and Michaela for, for joining Sorry. us um, and, and for sharing a little bit of your experience. Uh, so let's let's not go too quickly. So uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, of course, check out the Language Revolution podcast and 2,56 Quadratmeter. I, I suppose there's uh, a lot of good stuff for you to listen to. I know, actually, for a fact, and there's probably lots of cool episodes coming up as well i was i was gonna say i have just taken some quite strong decongestants so i i might be a little bit too quick even quicker than usual so tamara would you like to introduce us a bit to to your podcast uh, message across sure um yes I'm, I'm glad that when you said you're getting your own back for a few months ago it wasn't something i'd done unwittingly when you said as i go over to tomorrow maria but um yeah so message across similarly to what some other people have said it's that whole scratching where you're itching. So I, you know, started with people I knew who I'd always thought, I want to know more about how you got where you are. What's your story? A lot of them were people who'd taught me on the masters. And um, rather than just, you know, walk up to them at the university and say, tell me about your life story. I thought that would have more kudos if I invited them on a podcast <laughs> um, to do so. And I'm really glad I did because actually the, these were people who I'd, you know, I'd worked with um, after, After the MA, I stayed on and worked on the AUSIT project in, in the department, the online training materials, so a lot of e-learning stuff. So I'd worked quite closely with some of these people and saw them as colleagues as well as former tutors. And actually, it wasn't even until on the podcast recording, asking the questions, that I found out some really fascinating um, things about them. So Message Across the first series was called Getting Into It, and it really was about other interpreters and how they got to do what they're doing. Um, and so I kind of had a focus towards um, maybe students or people who are trying to get into the industry at the time. The series that I've got in the pipeline next is more looking at um, other professionals as well as some translators and interpreters because I can't let go of that, you know, <laughs> that baby. Um, but also people in other professions just to try and feed that same intellectual curiosity that I think almost all interpreters have, which is why we do a job where you can be doing completely different topics in, within the same day. So hopefully that's going to be really exciting too. And Miria, can you tell us a bit about the background to Brand the Interpreter? It, it does sound like something you do to make sure that you know their identity and they can't get away. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, no hot irons, that's for sure, uh, you know, for the podcaster to be a part of it. But um, yeah, Brand the Interpreter basically was uh, something that I wanted to put together so that I could 
just like uh, Tara just said, learn the stories of other language professionals and um, basically learn from them. And, you know, particularly those that were pretty hidden away. And I wanted to see how language professionals were in all the different specializations and um, just having them share their stories on an audio only platform, mainly because I was, you know, pretty comfortable with audio only. So um, I went for the podcast and uh, it's been it's been quite a journey and I've met incredible people along the way, Jonathan included, um, you know, just being able to learn a little bit more about the different specializations and language professionals that are out there. It, it turned out just, you know, I was thinking just for the California commuters that, you know, travel for such a long period of time to work, to get to the office. And it turned out to be something, you know, uh, global, which is amazing to say. And it's, it's really interesting how both of you have had this idea of really wanting to hear people's stories. Uh, Maria, with a name like Brandy Interpreter, it really sounds like you're getting into the business end uh, of interpreting. Has that come out on all of your episodes or have you had some uh, content that you didn't expect? I think there's always when it, because it's not really scripted. I mean, I have a guide that I can go by with regards to backup questions in the event that it stales, right? But, um, but I think that as, as the conversations come up, um, you know, there's a little bit of something business related always just because uh, most folks are freelancers out there. And so these are sort of topics that we get into that are not necessarily coming across in, in the education aspect. So when you're going through the training, these are things that may not necessarily be brought up. And um, it's it's one of those you learn as you go type of thing. And so we bring in, you know, the language professional that has gone through it, that has maybe made the mistakes and, you know, like, gotten themselves up, dusted themselves off, and is it now able to share, let's not do this part, you know, maybe give some suggestions to other to others in the field. Tamara, did you find that with your, with your first series that you were learning from people's mistakes as much as from their achievements? I think so. Um, an element of that, the, the interesting thing was learning about people's journeys for me and seeing that, um, that people often, especially when for me, a lot of the people I was interviewing were people who were very much established because they were tutors when I got into it. These are people who've still been through that same journey, that same process of, yeah, we all, a bit like, um, a bit like Corinne was saying, we all started somewhere and we all have our, our questions and our doubts. And even speaking to um, Katrina was one of the earlier people I, I interviewed um, who said, yeah, it's actually later on that I thought, well, I've been teaching for so long. Actually, I'm a good interpreter as well. Why don't I focus on my interpreting career? So, you know, some of the things we question ourselves, which way is my career going? What decisions am I, am I going to make? It was just really encouraging to hear that and to hopefully share with others that you don't need to panic if you haven't got it all together or you're not sure quite what your next steps are. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that people shared their worst mistakes, which maybe we should be more more open to do. Um, but yeah, the whole the whole process was really eye opening. There's a third series for you: your worst career mistake to date. <laughs> See how easy it is to get the guests for that one. <laughs> maybe that would be a, I don't know if that would be a career mistake. <laughs> but this idea of sharing stories, I know. Not long after I graduated, there was a real push for interpreter marketing and interpreter branding and the business side of interpreting. And it's interesting that both of you have come to that topic, but come at it from a very different angle. Um, Maria, have, 
are you comfortable that we're now kind of making interpreting more human? Because I've seen some of the stories that have come up in your podcast. Um, was that something that you went out to do to kind of humanize interpreting or did it just happen when you start interviewing people? No, I think what I really was aiming for was bringing the human, the, the actual individual out. Um, that's why the whole branding, you know, it's uh, actually, uh, I think it was his name was uh, uh, Tucker that mentioned it when he talked about how um, it, it was that authenticity and that visibility, right, of being out and um, promoting the individual behind the work, which we don't oftentimes get to see, not just ourselves within the industry, but I think just the, the general public, who is the individual. And so now that, you know, there's all this conversation about AI or this lack of, you know, translators in the field for X, Y, and Z type of work, and it's like, we're, we're out there in the masses, but people don't know about us. Why? You know, so my whole intention was just humanizing it in the sense of bringing the individual to the forefront as opposed to doing this, you know, behind the scenes work. Uh, and of course, their stories along with it. And the, Tamara, what was it like? Because I, I can only imagine what it'd be like for me to interview the lecturers who lectured me. I had this strange experience about a year ago where I go into a remote studio for a job and in the other double booth was my French, my English to French interpreting tutor. And I'm sorry, the first time that happens, you're always going to get scared. I can only imagine what it'd be like to have her on a podcast. How quickly did you get over the, oh, oh my goodness, I'm interviewing the people who taught me? I think from that perspective, it was a bit easier because I'd worked in the department for a couple of years by then and I'd grown to see them as colleagues. I think I did need that transition period when that actually happened. Um, and I, I think one of them actually had to tell me, it's okay, you're not my student anymore, <laughs> you know, you can, you can chill out. I think for me, actually the person who I didn't know was the one that I was most, not intimidated by her, but intimidated by who she was. And that was um, interpreting, uh, interviewing rather Amanda Goldsworthy. Um, because I'd come across her through her BBC interview like a few years before. I approached her thinking, you know, this email isn't even going to get through to her. Um, and for her to come back and say, oh, no, I'd really love to do that. I think that that's something that's really needed right now with everything that's going on. Um, that was um, just a really, for me, a really special moment to be able to to um, interview with, interview and speak to and hear from and share with my listeners from someone who'd inspired me so much. Um, and what makes it easier for me was realizing even with her, with, there wasn't a person who I interviewed who I didn't, I couldn't just, yeah, I get completely what you're saying. That really resonates. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've had those kind of experiences. And even, you know, listening to Trouble Terps podcasts and your guests, this evening, listening to the whole conversations, you're like, yeah, exactly. Yes, I get it. You, it just helps that whole connection that we've been talking about um, tonight. So that that is something that I've. It's part of what's made it really special. I'm really glad that I that I did it. It's been a real wonderful experience to have that connection and see. Yes, no matter who they are, we're all humans. We have things in common, especially doing the same job. So, yeah. It is lovely to see how human people are. Is there anyone, Namiria and Tamara, is there anyone on your list that you would love to interview that you think they're never going to say yes? I've got my eye on a couple people after today's uh, podcastable. <laughs> I don't know if they'll say yes. <laughs> so you might get an email from me. <laughs> Um, I've got, I've got a few, I mean, I mean, especially now that I'm delving into, um, delving into other 
areas as well as interpreting and translation for the next series, I think some of them might be where I'm trying to tap into my nearest and dearest and say, you know, <laughs> be on my podcast. And I think some of them might say no, but I'm not going to tell you any big names I've got on the horizon. Um, just so that, you know, if they do come in, I might drop in. Yeah. By the way, Jonathan, if you're listening, this was one of them, but yeah, there are a couple who I'd be, I'd be very impressed if they say yes. <laughs> Noam Chomsky's waiting for your email. That would be amazing. He probably has a huge inbox, Noam Chomsky. <laughs> I wonder if he checks his own email. But <laughs> I wouldn't know what to ask. Yeah, that's a good that, that's a good question, right? Sometimes that people are literally so famous. I mean, you wouldn't even know where to where to start necessarily and, and what to ask them. Uh, not necessarily because you're starstruck, because it's just I don't know. Um, they've been in so many Too interviews. Many topics. And, where to start? Yeah, exactly. Where do you yeah. even yeah. start? Exactly. <laughs> Such a big yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, great. So Tamara and Maria, thank you so much for uh, joining us and for introducing the audience to your um, shows. So uh, it sounded like tomorrow we can we can look forward to uh, a new season coming soon ish at some point. So yes. please, please yeah. keep us posted. We'll happy to sh- we'll be happy to share it once it's out. And uh, we're also looking forward to your future episodes, Mireya. And uh, we'll be curious to find out who you will be e- emailing and uh, successfully then. So that yes. good luck with with all those requests. <laughs> Um, great so Thank yeah thanks guys. before we wrap up we have now for real we have one final <laughs> voice voice message from uh, two lovely ladies that we have had on the show before namely um, Veronica Nivichelis and Madalena Sanchez-Sampaolo so let's just dive right in and listen to what they have prepared here we go Hi, my name is Madalena Sanchez Zampalo, and I'm a freelance Spanish and certified Portuguese to English medical and life sciences translator. I'm also the owner of a small but mighty translation agency and a health and wellness copywriter. I live in sunny Southern California with my husband, our five-year-old daughter, and our bulldog, Lucy. And I'm Veronica de Michelis. I am a certified English to Russian translator. I specialize in website and app localization, marketing, and corporate communications. And I also teach localization at Houston Community College. I live in Texas with my husband, two kids who are five and nine, our beagle Maggie and our chinchilla Larry. And we love Larry. (laughs) And together we host the Smart Habits for Translators podcast. We started the podcast in October 2019, and we've now released over 50 episodes, and we have listeners in over 110 countries. We met through the American Translators Association, and as we got to know one another better, we realized that this conversation about building better habits to help us grow our businesses, having a fulfilling home life, and maintaining a healthy lifestyle was something we came back to time and again. And we figured a lot of other translators are probably interested in having these conversations too. Yeah, so every two weeks, we release a new episode covering a topic related to smart habits. Everything from conquering your to-do list without burning out to building your business in a way that makes sense to you. Some weeks, it's just the two of us. And other weeks, we bring in guests to interview related to specific smart habits. What started as a way to share honest conversations between friends with the rest of the translation and interpreting community has evolved into a real passion project of ours. And we are so happy to hear when our listeners tell us that they find our podcast helpful and inspiring. Yes. And our idea for the podcast stems from the topic of establishing clarity and boundaries between your work and personal life and building smart habits that will help you along the way. After all, we all want one thing, and that is to feel that our work is rewarding and supports the lifestyle we want to have. 
but getting there is not easy, especially for freelancers. We're familiar with these challenges, and that's why we cover them on the podcast. Right. And we believe in the importance of the translation and interpreting community coming together, supporting each other, collaborating, and getting stronger together. So we're always happy to highlight our colleagues on the podcast and see what we can learn from them. But we also invite experts from other fields so that we can all gain new insights and ideas. We are so happy to see how many podcasts there are now for translators, interpreters, and other word nerds and language geeks. And we're so excited to be part of the special tribe. All right. Now let's share our funny or memorable stories related to languages. Veronica, why don't you go first? Sure. So I studied English since I was five. Um, I don't know if I mentioned I grew up in Russia, in Moscow. Um, and so by the time I started my first job at 18 years old, I thought I was pretty fluent in English. Of course, I grew up in Soviet Russia and had never left the country or even talked to a single foreigner at the time, but I had been getting straight A's in all English classes and my teachers who also never traveled or used their English in real life interactions with other people, they kept telling me how amazing my English was. I was like a star student. So mm -hmm. on my first day on the job, I was manning the reception desk at the Moscow office of an international oil and gas company. And I thought to myself, answering phone calls, easy peasy, this will be a breeze. And my first call was from a gentleman with a heavy Norwegian accent, and I did not understand a single thing. <laughs> I think I asked him to repeat several times, and the more I asked, the more mad he got at me. I was so terrified um, that I waited for a long time before accepting the next call. And then uh, the heavy French accent was even worse. <laughs> I was just mortified. I could not understand any of the callers. I didn't know why uh, why it's so difficult because my English is supposed to be really good and they had trouble understanding me. So everyone was upset. Um, thankfully, they gave me another chance um, in that new job and I actually worked there for 18 years, you know, just transitioning from one mm -hmm. position to the next. But that was my first and only in-house job that lasted for a long time. And I did get better with time. <laughs> my English improved. Uh, but that was a lesson I remembered forever. Be humble. You really don't know as much as you think you do. And also studying a language doesn't make you fluent. It's not like it ever stops at a certain time and you're like, you know, perfect from, from then on. You have to consistently uh, work on your language, do it all the time, um, be receptive to feedback and be curious. Um, and I have so much respect and admiration for my colleagues because I understand how much work goes into our jobs as translators and interpreters. So what about you? Oh, that's such a good story. <laughs> Um, and yet, yeah, your English is pretty superb. So I can't imagine you not understanding people, but I get it. Phone calls could be hard. Yeah. Um, okay. So my story is funny, but also mortifying <laughs> if I'm being honest. So I grew up as a heritage Spanish speaker. My father was from Spain and um, I went to school actually to study Spanish because I wanted to use it in my career. Um, so not mm -hmm. so much how to speak, but, you know, as an academic. Um, so I wanted to be a professor of Spanish linguistics. So when I met my now husband, I was starting my master's degree in this area. And he was um, also studying at the same time, the same university, but as an exchange student from Brazil. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was very interested in Portuguese. And he offered to take time of a, out of his schedule a few times a week to tutor me. So if you've ever studied Portuguese and it's not your first language, um, then you probably know how difficult the nasal sounds are for most non-native speakers. 
So one day he was teaching me various vocabulary words for foods, and I have a love and a knack for languages, I think. (laughs) So (laughs) I felt like this lesson couldn't possibly be hard, right? (laughs) And of course, I was trying to impress this guy who was also trying to impress me by teaching me, um, but so with my language learning skills, right? (laughs) Well... Uh, so we finally, we got to the word bread in Portuguese. And so if you are a Portuguese speaker, you know where this is going. <laughs> and so the word for bread in Portuguese is bone. And this word is not the easiest wow. to pronounce for all na- non-native speakers. And I was reading a sentence with the word bone, and I forgot to make the very necessary nasal sound. So he starts laughing uncontrollably. And of course, I had no idea why. <laughs> And he was laughing so much that he couldn't even speak and he turned bright red. And then he explained to me that the word pronounced without a nasal sound is basically a slang term in Brazil for a male body part. So you can imagine I nearly fell out of my chair of embarrassment and I definitely never made that mistake again. (laughs) So uh, it obviously worked out because he married me a few years later, Uh, but I went on to study and teach Portuguese. And now it's one of my working languages as a professional translator, but like you said, wow. Yeah. Um, talk about a humbling and mortifying experience. And just thinking about it now, like I'm sweating already. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, that's it from us. Thanks so much for inviting us to your podcastival. Uh, we're honored to be a part of the event. Yes. Thank you so much, Troublesome Terps, for organizing this special celebration of language-related podcasts. We can't wait to listen to all the wonderful podcasts, and we hope that you will check out ours, Smart Habits for Translators, on your favorite podcasting app or at smarthabitsfortranslators.com. All right. Awesome. That is a mortifying story, isn't it? I can relate to both of those stories. <laughs> yes. I think we've all been there exactly. to some extent we've all or other. Been there. I was Absolutely. I'm going I, I just want to share mine briefly. I, I yeah, go ahead. Sure. But you're gonna have to listen to this now. Sure. So, <laughs> I was in Guatemala with my friend. Her family is from there. And I had learned some Spanish in school, but I wasn't you know, that like I yeah. I thought I spoke some Spanish, but yeah. Um, anyway, I got on pretty well and I got more confident. And then I was, um, we were out with her cousins at the cinema, I think, and it was really warm. And so I said to her male cousin, Estoy caliente. <laughs> you know? He was looking at me like, uh, what? <laughs> like, it's very hot in here. You know? <laughs> yeah. For those who don't speak Spanish like yes, me. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, yeah, it means, uh, from what I understand, on the one hand, it means I'm hot and also I'm horny. So, yeah, and not I'm warm at all. So, oh, and I well. said it with a lot of emphasis as well, you know, really like, whoo, it's too caliente, uh, <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, going to the cinema will do that <laughs> yeah, to you, no. you know. <laughs> if, if you do something like that, you have, you have to go you all watching? in. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so I think Jonathan had to oh, had to goodness. move out to take care of the kids. Um, but Alex and Sarah, if you want to um, give us a, a favorite moment or highlight in, in a few moments, uh, that would be great. And meanwhile, I will try to, well, I don't know, do a little bit of a summary, just just a few of the nice things we've we've had <laughs> as we as we're wrapping up this podcast of all. Um, one thing that really amazed me also already when we prepared the show was the, the huge variety of shows and topics and different perspectives we have in this 
space again terrible word but it's true um not only for interpreting but also for translation of course um and localization and you know language justice and sign language is really it's really been wonderful to see the the podcasting bubble sort of this little niche of podcasting grow um which was also one of the reasons why we wanted to do this in the first place so this list sort of when we prepared kept getting longer which was great um hard to organize but still wonderful. Um, so we've heard from from the language industry first today, and, and Florian is still with us, which is great. Thanks for sticking around. So we heard about a few Thank you, <laughs> recent language industry developments. <laughs> we we spoke about over-rehearsed uh, webinars and online events and even deep fakes. So that was great to get into. Um, and then we moved on to uh, language justice and sociolinguistics. Uh, so uh, Ada is still with us as well. Great. Thanks for sticking around. So we talked about social justice warriors and Karens and what have you. So that was great too. Do check out those shows as well. They're great. Um, and then we heard about um, what it's like to uh, be an interpreter and podcaster in a pandemic and to do a, a Master of Science in a pandemic, which is quite a challenge. But we also learned that it can have its upsides because as a podcaster, you already have great audio equipment, which comes in handy when you have to interpret, um, you know, on an online platform, for example. So that's great too. Uh, swings and roundabouts, I guess. Uh, and then we heard um, about, yeah, I think interpreter biographies, um, what it means to be an interpreter in, in this language industry, and about the business of interpreting from Mireya and, and Tamara, who are also still with us. Thank you. Um, and also, I guess, about um, bucket list guests, if that exists, and what it's like to approach, yeah, maybe not idols, but, you know, big wigs in the industry, I guess. Um, and just, just now, uh, lastly, we, we heard about how sharing... You know, failures can also help us grow and, and be humble and, and move on with our lives, um, which was really fantastic. So, Alex and Sarah, I don't know if you have any uh, any last words, I guess. It's really hard to choose what my favorite part was. We uh, covered a lot of ground, didn't we? I love, yeah. yeah, I loved all of the um, all of the videos and the um, audio messages. They were so fun. People put a lot of effort into them, you could tell, to keep it, you know, still like relatively short, but interesting and fun. So that was really, really great. Um, but I also loved all the discussions that happened here live and that everyone, you know, had something good to say and it felt very natural and organic. I think my favorite kind of has to be the video with the Irish sign language. On the one hand, because, you know, shout out to the Irish. <laughs> I'm not Irish, but my name is very Irish. Yeah, great uh, I'm a fake <laughs> Irish and I lived there for a long time. <laughs> and uh, I'm a German disguised as an Irish person. Um no, and I love the accessibility element as well. Uh, so one of my colleagues um, actually at NIMSI that I wanted to mention earlier, Belen, um, she is an expert to everything to do with accessibility. She has a PhD in that topic as well. Um, she talks about um, not just captioning, but all of the accessibility stuff to do with languages um, all day long. So reach out to her if you want to talk about this more because she's the real expert there. And I love all that stuff. I love learning more from Belen and I love learning more from uh, the hosts of uh, the Lean podcast. And I think it's such a wonderful idea to have um, sign language, like not even sign language, interpreting really. They're doing the, from what I understand, they're more like doing the podcast in sign language and then speaking over it, right? And then having the, the captions or whichever way, but it's just great that they're covering all of this. So yeah, they are the winners for me, but I loved all of it. It was really hard to choose. <laughs> Everyone's a winner tonight. 
<laughs> I fully agree. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty, pretty fantastic smorgasbord of of um, language industry nuggets. But I think what I found really interesting is that everybody is coming at at sort of a relatively what seems like a relatively small field right like the language industry oh it seems so specific i'm doing conference interpreting i'm doing like this very specialized like translation i'm doing this particular one thing here and it seems like such a small thing but we're all coming at this industry and everybody's covering something completely different and coming from it from a completely individual perspective and yet everything is sort of we all have something in common and we all share sort of this this passion for connections and it's I, I thought it was just a really um inspiring I, I don't want to sound corny but it was just really nice to see yeah. because it's so rare to see so many people from from not from the industry because you used to have these industry events but from so many different perspectives coming together and that was really nice i really enjoyed that a lot Honestly, that was really cool. Thank you, everybody, for taking. Yeah, that. exactly. And and I think one thing that was great was also to see that we all um, admitted to podcasting being a little bit of a of a vanity thing to do, which is totally okay. I think, <laughs> yeah, because um, you know we we share it with the world, and I think that's really what what counts is to to let everybody participate in the exchanges we have, such as tonight. So yeah, again. Thanks to everyone for, for joining us. Thanks to uh, all of those who joined us live uh, on YouTube for, for the stream. Uh, and thanks to all of those who are listening and will be listening to this episode once it's out on our podcast feed. And we hope to uh, have you back for future episodes. Do check out um, all the shows we've been featuring tonight. There's there's lots more, of course. Uh, we, we can't have everyone on, unfortunately. But uh, Alex will have cut his work out for him for the show notes and all the links this time around. So um, do check those out. That's all on our website. Site. There will be links aplenty. Exactly. That's on, on our website, troubleturps.com. We're on social media as well. Uh, quick tip, by the way, if you're on Twitter, there's a cool account, which is called at LingPods, which is run by uh, Lisa, Lisa Ducker. And she sort of uh, just retweets and shares um, a lot of podcasts that are on Twitter. So that's a great way to get started and find new shows to check out. Okay, that's it. Thanks, everyone. And uh, bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.